when we pick up the Bible, we, uh, so we'll have the next slide if we may. Uh, I know when we pick up the Bible that it looks like a, you know, modern, shiny book, but it's actually a scroll. I think we're going to see a picture just now. It's actually scrolls written hundreds, hundreds of years previously that have been passed down to us. Is that someone's alarm clock? Do you need to wake up? No, uh, passed on to us and have come to us as eyewitness accounts. And I want you to consider, and the next one, please. I want you to consider, we're just, and the next one, please. Uh, there we go, scrolls. I want you to consider the Bible as an historical document, as a piece of history attested by historians as being authentic. In fact, there's no other manuscript like it in the whole world where there's so much historical data to support its historic authenticity and accuracy. In that book, in those scrolls that have been found and been passed on from generation to generation, we have one of them. It's called the Gospel of Luke. It's the name of the author. He was a doctor, as you can imagine, one of the most educated men of his time. And he decided that with all the news about Jesus spreading around the countryside, that he ought to, as a doctor, as an academic, as someone who's got some expertise, he ought to explore the data, investigate the findings, interview eyewitnesses, and compile a valuable historical document on Jesus' life. In fact, this is what he says to us. I want you to listen to his own words as he begins his his book, his history, Luke, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So lots of people have tried to document Jesus' life just, they have been, just as they have been handed down to us from the first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. So this is something that has been witnessed. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that's where our little boy got his name. Okay, the doctor wrote to him. That's what we've been telling him. So, look, contrary then to popular rumors, the Bible is not a children's story. Okay, it's an historical document. It's why we've staked our lives on it as a church. It's why we've come to this location. We want people to know that this is history, arguable, provable researched history. Let me take you a bit further. I want you to show you one example of his eyewitness work and the effort that Luke put into finding the truth. He writes to us uh, and gives us the account of Mary. Mary is the mother of Jesus, as we know. She gave birth to him. And this is what Luke writes after interviewing her. He goes, uh, this is in Mary's words. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings to you. You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And he tells her, you'll be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He'll be great and be called the son of the most high. Lots of kids here, lots of mums. Anybody ever said that about your kid? But you may want somebody to have said that about your kid. And this may well be wishful thinking. I mean, of course Mary said, oh, an angel came to see me and says, my child is really special. I mean, it's, it's what every mother wants to believe. So why would we take Mary seriously? 
I mean, why would we take it? Any interest in what this mum is saying about his little boy? Of course she thinks he's special. Everybody does. My mum thought I was special. She was right. <laughs> okay? What is it about Jesus? Well, let me just, before we look in some details, let me show you a band of shepherds. Would you trust the shepherd? Well, well, maybe not. But let's at least hear what they've got to say. Here's the shepherds. They, they, this is what they say to us. Luke documents it. We have to assume he's interviewed the shepherds. He's sat them down. And he's asked them, what did you see? Okay, and he's written it down. This is what he writes. From their eyewitness perspective, the shepherds were out in a field, verse 9, an angel appeared to them. You know, it happens every other day. No, seriously, this is a strange occurrence. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Today a Savior will be born. He is Christ the Lord. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. So further testimony. Do you see what I'm trying to say here? If this was a court of law and you can put the Bible in the dock and if you were calling forth witnesses, you already have Mary, you have a bunch of shepherds, that would stand in any court of law. Two eyewitnesses, well, several of them, testifying to a similar event. And I want you just to get a feel for what we're saying here. The reason we trust the Bible is that it's come to us through eyewitness accounts. Okay, what's come to us? What is so special about Jesus? I want to show you, and it's mind-blowing. Come with me. First of all, this is what we get from the account. Jesus mesmerized crowds by his speeches. I mean, that's some feat. I mean, I bet you're thinking, I'll be glad when this guy finishes and I get my burger. Okay, when Jesus spoke... They were mesmerized. Listen to this. He went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach. And they were, they were, am I, am I missing that somewhere? They were, next one please. And they were, and the next one, I think I had it up. Maybe I made a mistake. What's the next one look like? There, and the next slide, and the next slide. And they were, and backwards one please. We're going to get there, and forwards one. There we go. Yeah, we've got partners, me and my apprentice. We'll stop right there. They were amazed at his teaching. Jesus mesmerized people. That wasn't easy to do, to capture the attention of people in a rural environment, to mesmerize them, and he had some power to speak. Secondly, B, the next one, Jesus confronted and subdued evil. Okay, Jesus confronted and subdued evil. Luke 4, 33, Jesus encounters a demon and he speaks to him. Look, not recommended, okay, unless you've got particular experience as a mature Christian in this environment. Not recommended, okay? Don't try this at home. But Jesus, come out of him. He spoke to demons. And what do you think their responses were? Listen to this. With Jesus had come out of them and the demon threw the man down before all of them and they came out without injuring him. Evil spirits. I don't know if you believe in them. You don't have to travel far, to, especially towards the Middle East, to encounter them. Jesus had control over them. The next thing, Jesus forgave people their sins. I think the next one uh, on my slideshow. Jesus forgave people their sins. Luke 5. He went up to a man, a paralytic, and he said to him, friend, 
your sins are forgiven. Now you're thinking, wow. I mean, you could do that, surely. But I want you to understand what's going on here. Sins are an offense against God. So if I committed an offense against, I mean, I know Uma here. If I committed a sin against Uma, then if Denise went and said to, uh, to Uma, um, I've forgiven Montez, how would you feel? Maybe he'd be thinking, well, what's he got to do with you? I want to hear the apology from him. You see, it, sins, are, uh, sins are crimes, if you like, against God. The only person who can forgive is the person who's been wronged. And for Jesus to say, I forgive you to this man, means either he's delusional or he's the God this man has sinned against. He forgave sins. Tells us something of his character. The next one, Jesus exercised control over the elements. Listen to this. He's in a boat with his disciples. There's a terrible storm, okay? There's a terrible storm. Uh, and then Jesus stands up on the boat in the middle of the storm. He got up and we told Luke 8, he rebuked the wind and the waves and, and the raging waters, and the storm subsided, and all was calm. When was the last time you tried that? Have you ever tried it? Ever been on a ship, and it's been a bit uncomfortable? Ever, have you ever thought of standing up and saying, come on now, calm down, see? Anybody ever tried that? You've tried that. Did it work? No! no. <laughs> in fact, if somebody did that, you're in a boat, you're thinking, this man needs his head checking. Seriously? A woman? Jesus did it, and listen to these words. Okay, the storm subsided and all was calm. And you begin to get a picture, and you may be thinking, oh, fairy tales, but eyewitnesses have said they saw it. We have to take some account of what they said. The next thing, what about this? He cured incurable illnesses. Okay, he cured incurable illnesses. Uh, Luke 18, verse 42. He comes to a man who is blind, and he, Jesus says these words to him. And the wonder of it is great because he doesn't take him into a local A&E. Do you have a, what do you call your emergency department? A&E, accidents and emergencies? I know you guys down here have everything backwards or incorrect or wrong or upside down or something like that, okay? Uh, we, on the other side of the world where everything is normal, we call them accident and emergency departments. Yeah, okay? a &E. Oh, there you go, there you go, see? Okay, so look, he doesn't take him along to the hospital. Instead, he speaks to him and says these words to a man who's blind, receive your sight, your faith has healed you, and guess what happened to the man? Seriously, seriously. The guy could see. I want to see. I think it's the next slide. Please, thank you. He says to the man, receive your sight, and the man could see. Immediately, he received his sight. Jesus can heal incurable diseases. What about this? Jesus can raise dead people to life. I think this is an amazing one. He comes up to a man in his coffin. His mommy's grieving, we'll have the next one please, his, 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 his mom is grieving his death. Jesus comes up to this grieving party, here he is, he comes up to the man who's in his coffin and he says these incredible words, young man, I say to you, get up. 
Seriously. I mean, this woman's in mourning. This is her only son. There's a crowd with her. I mean, if someone did that at your funeral, you'd chuck them out, wouldn't you? I mean, you call security. I mean, in that age, you think that's stoning. I mean, what a terrible thing to say to a grieving mom and her dead son. But Jesus says it, and saying it, the dead man, documented eyewitness history, sat up and began to talk. Let me give you another one. Jesus gave his life up for people he's created. Listen to this, Luke 22, 32. Jesus gave up his life for the people he created. They crucified him. Even whilst he was being crucified, Jesus spoke, Father, forgive them. Jesus gave his life for people he knew very little about. Look, here's the reality. If your best friend was dying, you may try and do something to save him. Jesus does it for the world. People who knew nothing about him. And the last and greatest one, let me give you one last one, the greatest one of all. You see, think about magicians. Magicians are great at doing tricks on other people, aren't they? You know, raise someone else from the dead. Maybe he set the whole thing up. But how about raising himself from the dead? Listen to this. Jesus is dead. He's been crucified. With, there it is in Luke 23. They, there they crucified him. And then the next slide, I want you to notice this. And the one after, that they crucified him. But when I went to find his body and a guarded tomb, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus conquered death. The reason he's so special why so many people pay attention to him is that he conquered death for himself. I mean, that says something about him. I want to finish with that. Just a couple more slides just to show you. But I want to leave you with this thought in the next two minutes. That of all the things that Jesus did, the fact that he could allow himself to be assassinated and then raise himself up from the dead is proof beyond anything any other religious person has ever been able to demonstrate. There's no person on the face of the planet Religious leader, or the voice, has claimed to raise themselves from the dead. There's something about Jesus that we have to take notice of what he said. Here's a verse. I want to show you this verse. I think it'll be the next one, please, Ricky. And the one after that. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples. And in John 21, 25, if they were all written, even the whole world would not have room for the books. I've listed what? seven or eight miracles of Jesus. John tells us he performs so many that if you catalog them, the entire world would not be able to contain the books. Here was a man who did the miraculous on an industrial scale. What do you do with him? What do you think of him? I hope you've seen that to suggest Jesus is special is something quite incredible. It's based on history. It's based on eyewitness accounts. It's based on incredible feats that nobody can do. Open blind eyes, stop the wind and the waves, raise dead people to life, and ultimately to bring himself back from the dead. I want to leave that with you. That, that's the end of what I want to say to you this evening. As you go away, 
I'd like you just to contemplate for a moment. Here is a man who is superhuman. What will you do with Jesus this Christmas? You know, there's 365 days in a year, or there are down up under up over in the UK. How many days a year do you guys have here? You have the same amount? 200, 500? You never know, you see, what you guys have done with, you know, with anything. Well, about the same, yeah? Look, there's 365 days. <laughs> Thank you. There's one day a year that's designated for remembering Jesus. Can I ask you to consider today and certainly Christmas Day, who is Jesus? Thank you.